weasel out of me who it was. And I told you I could not tell you, and I, I, I did good. Some of you pushed pretty hard, but I was able to hold back and keep it, keep it in. So this morning, all I'm going to say as I introduce our guest is that uh, it, is, it is really, really a privilege for us to be able to, uh, to have this speaker here with us today. I can honestly not think of har- just hardly anyone. I can think of very, very few people that have ever impacted the history of the church, Christianity, everything that we believe in, and just anywhere near as much as our speaker today. So if somebody wants to uh, just welcome him on in, uh, we'll go ahead and get started. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Tell me, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? And who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? And whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? And who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. To whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding 
no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not Oh, hello. Have you been there all along? Oh, I, I have been deep in thought. I was remembering back to the time when I was speaking to the people in Athens about the great and the wondrous things of God. <laughs> the people of Athens are very religious people. Yeah, I could tell that by walking through their city. I I saw the many statues to the gods that they worshipped. In fact, I even saw one statue that said, to the unknown god. And I thought that was a little funny. It's like, just in case we forgot one. But the Lord gave me an idea and said, why don't you go to the city forum and tell them who this unknown god is? So I went. And the people were very welcoming. And they were interested in what I had to share. So I decided that I would start off on a positive note. Because from experience, I knew how quickly these discussions could go downhill. So I said, people of Athens, I can tell you are very religious. And they smiled and they nodded their heads. And I said, I could tell that because when I was walking through your city, I noticed the many statues to the gods that you worship and that I had even seen the one that said to the unknown God. And of course, they knew which one I was talking about. So I said, I have come today to tell you just who this unknown God is. Well, when I said that, it became very quiet. And I could see different ones turning and looking at their neighbors as, as if they were saying, now, this is going to be good. So I began, and I said, there is one God, not many, and this one God is the Lord of heaven and earth, and that he does not live in temples made by human hands, and that it is by his power that he holds all things together. And gives mankind life and breath and everything else. And that in the beginning when God created all things. He created man in order to have a relationship with him. A friendship, a communion. And this he enjoyed for a season. But after a period of time. Man chose to rebel against God and disobeyed him. And part of his punishment for disobedience was that he began to grow old and die. And he also lost this close relationship that he had with his creator. It had been broken. Well, <laughs> by now there were 
a few people that were starting to talk and some were even beginning to heckle me. One even called out, said, hey, you're just babbling away, talking nonsense. But I could still be heard, so I continued. And I said, because God so loved the world, because he loved mankind, he did not want to be separated from him. He wanted to restore that which was broken. So he chose a plan. And he knew that there had to be a perfect sacrifice that would come, shed its blood, and die for man. And he knew man could not do this because man was now sinful. There was only one that could do it. And that was if God himself were to come and die. So the plan he chose was to send his son to the earth to be a once and for all one-time sacrifice to die, shed his blood on the cross in the place of mankind and to die and be risen again. And that ever since that time, every man, woman, boy, and girl who believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ would be saved, would be able to be reunited with his creator and spend an eternity with him in his creation, in his kingdom, in his heavenly kingdom. And that as Jesus rose from the dead, they would also rise from the dead. Well, when I mentioned resurrection from the dead, that's when everybody began to talk. It seemed that there wasn't as many in agreement with resurrection as I was. But I could look through that crowd, and as I was speaking, I saw that the Holy Spirit of God was moving in the hearts of many. And when I finished, there were even some that chose to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But one good thing, or another good thing that came from that encounter, was that they invited me back again which I gladly agreed to do. But that's a story for another time. But you know, I can understand why there were some that chose not to believe. Because there was a time in my life when I too chose not to believe. And I'd like to tell you just a little bit about that time and who it is that I am. You're probably wondering anyway, my name is Paul, and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, though I consider myself the least of these. I was born Jewish. I was a Hebrew. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. And I grew up and was trained in Jerusalem under the well-known teacher Gamaliel. Eventually, I became religious leader, one of the Pharisees. Well, it was about the time that I was a young Pharisee that there lived a man whose name was Jesus. And many people were claiming that he was the Christ, the Messiah. I had always been trained that and, and raised to believe that Jesus, when he came, when the Messiah came, he would come in power. And would set up his kingdom on the earth. 
Looking back now, I realize there was clearly much scripture that I did not understand. So I had little to do with this man or his followers until the time that he had been put to death through crucifixion. And his followers began claiming that he had risen from the dead. <laughs> I did not want some false religion spreading throughout our nation, confusing the people and teaching something different than what these people had traditionally been raised to believe. So I did everything in my power to put a stop to the spread of this new religion, even to the point of having its followers punished and imprisoned, and some agreeing to their death, I'm ashamed to say. But if God's name can be praised, I will continue. And on this one occasion, I had even been given permission by the high priest himself and authority to go to the city of Damascus and bring back to Jerusalem to be punished all those that I could find there that were followers of this new faith. I was determined to put a stop to the spread of this new belief. Well, we were on our way. It was a hot day that day. Oh, man, it was hot. I was thirsty. I was tired, but determined. And it was, if I remember right, around noon as we neared Damascus, when all of a sudden, the brightest, most intense light that I had ever seen or could ever imagine flashed around me and my companions. It was, it was so sudden and so bright, I fell to my knees and I, I covered my eyes. And I was, I was just beginning to try to figure out what it was that was happening when I heard a voice speaking to me. And and it wasn't just speaking to me. It was calling out my name. And it said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I remember thinking that this voice, though strong, was loving and kind. And, and I thought to myself, persecute, persecute. Who am I persecuting? These, these new believers? And I was not sure who it was that was speaking to me, but I felt somehow that I was on holy ground. And because of my upbringing, I guess, I just naturally said, Who are you, Lord? And I tell you, with all my heart, I could not ever prepare myself for what I heard next. I heard the words, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And there I was on my knees, knowing that I had been born Jewish, raised Jewish, like I said from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, I had been obedient to the law, to the letter. I'd become a 
religious leader, a Pharisee. I considered myself a Pharisee of Pharisees. And then in that moment of time, as I looked back over my spiritual past, and I realized I had been serving the, the God of creation in error. I tell you, it broke my heart. Do any of you have any questions that you think to yourself, oh, it would be wonderful to have an opportunity to ask God and have him answer you right then so you wouldn't have to worry? <laughs> I've had those questions too. But let me tell you, if you ever have an encounter with God like I did, you will not be wanting to ask him any questions. I was doing all I could to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he told me. He said to get up and go into Damascus. And there I would be told what to do. So I got up from my knees and as I rose, I was struck with a sudden fear because I realized I was blind. I could not see my hand in front of my face. And I was even more fearful when I realized that none of the others in my party had been struck with blindness or had heard the voice that I heard. It was clearly directed toward me. All I could do was stand there and raise out my arms and have them take me by the hands and lead me into Damascus, where for the next three days and nights, I spent that time in prayer and in fasting, repenting of my sins, asking God to forgive me, and seeking what it was that God wanted me to do. You know, God has some wonderful, marvelous things that he wants to do in every one of our lives. He wants to show us wonderful things. But, you know, we can choose not to have him give us those things simply by being disobedient. I had been disobedient long enough, and I wanted to be certain what it was God wanted me to do. You know, <laughs> back then when I first started walking with the Lord, I was, I was so immature, uh, less or more immature than I am now, I guess. Anyway, I always thought it would be so great if God would just tell me everything he wanted me to do all at once. Give me the whole picture then I wouldn't have to worry or stress or wonder what was going to happen next. But you know, God doesn't do that. And I've learned that I'm glad that he doesn't because when I go to him in prayer, you know what that does? It helps me to trust him. And then when I see him answer in his time, it increases my faith. So I grow in my trust and in my faith. And you know what? He showed me. He answered my prayer. And he gave me a vision. 
He not only gave me a vision, but it was a vision of a man, and he told me his name. It was Ananias. And he said, Ananias would be coming to where I am, would be laying his hands upon me. I would be receiving the Holy Spirit, and I would be able to see once again. That was good news. Before long, I heard a knock on the door. And you know who it was? It was Ananias. And I learned that God had given him a vision too. Only he wasn't as excited about the vision that he got as I was about the vision I received. But Ananias, oh, he is a great man of faith because he chose to believe God. And because he chose to believe God and was obedient, God blessed him. And so he came, he entered the house where I was at, he laid his hands upon me, I received the Holy Spirit of God. And it was, it was like scales falling from my eyes. I began seeing and was able to see once again. And I got up from my knees and we rejoiced together in the Lord. And for the rest of the time that I was in Damascus, I was at the synagogue every day showing from Scripture. Can you believe it? Showing from Scripture to the people that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You know, during that time I was in Damascus, there were some things that were running through my mind. One of the things that was on my mind was that I knew I was going to have to go back to Jerusalem and face the Jewish council. And I knew exactly what they would say. And I knew exactly what their reaction would be. One thing I learned, started to learn at the beginning there, was that God wanted me to cast all my cares on him. To give him all of my worries. And this was, a, one worry to me was that when I went back to Jerusalem and told the Jewish council of my conversion, I would be losing friends that had taken me a lifetime to develop relationship with. And I feel very strongly about friendships. I value them highly. And I, I could put away all the religious practices and observances that I had learned and was practicing my whole life. That wasn't a big deal because I knew I had the truth now. Oh, but losing friends. So I gave the Lord this worry that I had. And do you know I have more friends now than I ever imagined? And that even some of those men on the Jewish council have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and I have them back as friends again. Isn't God wonderful? Well, there was another group of people that I knew I was going to have to have contact with in Jerusalem, and they also weren't going to be really interested in seeing me. You know, when I think about it, I wasn't a very popular person at that time. But I knew I was going to have to 
meet with the apostles of Jesus Christ. Those men that had walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry and had learned from him. And I knew that they were not going to be interested in seeing me. Would you if you knew someone wanted to take you and put you in prison? But you know, God had that all figured out too. Isn't God wonderful? He introduced me to a man, a very godly man of faith, whose name is Barnabas. Barnabas was close to the apostles. And he had seen me preach fearlessly in the name of the Lord. He knew that my conversion to this new belief was genuine. He went to them and convinced them that I was sincere. So Barnabas and I went to meet with the apostles. You know, sometimes when you look at somebody in the eye, more can be spoken between you than if you were to use words. And when I stepped into that room and looked into the eyes of the apostles, James, John, Matthew, Peter, and they looked into my eyes, and we each saw the same thing, the love of Jesus. And we rejoiced. Let me tell you, we rejoiced, though we have had differences over the years. In the name of Jesus, we have always straightened them out. But we rejoiced in the Lord that not only the Jews have the opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but now the Gentiles can also have that opportunity to believe. <sighs> that was a long time ago. Much, much has happened since then. I have traveled all over the world. And I have been to many places, spoken to many people, and presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to many people. And I have not always been well received. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive to many people. Jesus himself said, I did not come to the earth to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword, and the members of the same household will be divided among themselves. So it does not surprise me that as I look back over my life, and I do not say this to boast, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. But because of my faith in Jesus, I have been beaten with rods twice, whipped with the 40 lashes minus one five times. I have been imprisoned. I have been stoned and left for dead. I have been shipwrecked and adrift for a day and a night in the open sea. And I have known hunger and thirst. But these light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Yes, these light and momentary troubles are nothing compared to the glory and that joy that I will experience forever in God's eternal kingdom. 
You see, I consider everything a loss when compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and him crucified. I consider everything a loss. Nothing means more to me than to love my Lord. Even to the point of sharing with him in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And somehow to experience the resurrection from the dead. And I feel that for me, that time is not too far off. For already I feel that my life is being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is at hand. But I am confident in this, that I have run the race. I have finished the course. And by God's grace, I have kept the faith. And now in heaven, there awaits for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give to me on that glorious day, and not just to me, but to all those who have put their hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and have been looking forward to his appearing. Now, in the presence of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his soon return and of his coming kingdom, I give you this solemn charge. Walk. Walk in obedience to the Lord and remain faithful to him. For the time will come, mark my words, when men will no longer put up with sound doctrine but will instead turn their ears away from the truth, choosing rather instead to believe lies. You, however, be strong and stand firm on the foundation that has already been laid, Christ Jesus, our Lord. As for me, I am confident that God is faithful and he will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God be with you all. Thank you. And the Apostle Paul rides off into the night. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand? And if I could get uh, Tucker and